0: Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Thursday, March 4th, 2021, I'm Jackson Bird. Will NFTs bring about an economic and creative revolution for artists and change the way we buy our media? Kings of Leon are willing to give it a shot. A small village in Iceland is making a big bid for Oscar glory. And another small town that just might be the job capital of the US. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So this past Friday, I did a very basic introduction to crypto art and NFTs, and since then, I've found a couple of really great explainers. So if you want to learn more about that phenomenon, specifically from people who are equally as excited about it as they are skeptical, I definitely recommend checking out the February 25th episode of the podcast, The Content Minds with Luke Bailey and Ryan Broderick, as well as a video from my friend Julian Gomez's YouTube series, Future now. And of course, you can always listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home, in which host Brian McCullough will keep you up to date with all things NFT, as well as other tech news, of course. Links to all of those in the show notes. Now, Julian in particular made a great comparison between physical media, existing non-NFT digital assets, and NFTs. He points out that, yes, digital assets, things like Fortnite skins and concert tickets, do exist already, but in those cases, you can't sell those assets to other people, or outside the game or company you bought them from, and that game or company could delete them at any point. that's true for things even like e-books. I remember that being a big thing people were warning against when Kindles first came out. The idea that you don't actually own those e-books you're buying. Amazon could decide to just delete them sometime. And then you've got digital files that aren't so tied to a company, like an image file on your computer that you want to share with a friend. You can text it to them, email, DM, Bluetooth, whatever. But when you do, you still have a copy on your own computer. That's how NFTs are different. If you were to give it to someone else, to sell it to them, you don't have it anymore. This is how, as Julian points out, NFTs are kind of more like physical media. If you lent someone a VHS tape back in the day or a physical CD, you didn't have it anymore until they gave it back to you. And they were a lot more difficult to copy. I mean, you could, of course, my huge stash of bootleg tapes and burned CDs attest to that, but it wasn't as easy as dropping someone a file. Now, yes, technically you could have like a screenshot or get a really sophisticated in replicating the look or sound of the NFT you sell or want, but they're all backed up by code on the blockchain. That's what shows ownership. So NFTs are creating scarcity in digital goods, making them able to jack up the prices like people do on physical collectibles, whether that be fine art, trading cards, or as Julian reminded me, beanie babies. To me and many others, this is particularly fascinating in terms of what it means for artists retaining some of their own agency and being able to make more money at a time when many of them have been making less than ever thanks to the path we've taken from piracy to streaming services that barely pay out anything to artists. With NFTs, artists can make a fixed number of items, which creates scarcity, and they're also able to set royalties on those items. So if someone buys one of their NFTs and then that person decides to sell it, the artist will still get a cut of that sale, as they will every time it's bought and sold. So it's really cool for artists and potentially cool for consumers in the long term if we see a shift to things like albums and movies being released as NFTs. Although, in my opinion, that's really only if it also bursts the streaming bubble. You know, I don't know that we can all be paying for a dozen different streaming entertainment services and for each individual piece of digital media we'd like to buy, or that enough people would for the tides to really change. Even though, yes, some of us still do that now. But it could be that one model wins out over the other. You know, maybe we go back to buying movies and albums individually instead of paying for monthly subscriptions. That seems kind of unlikely for a number of reasons, but, you know, personally, I think this paradox of choice thing needs to burst at some point too, and I'd love to see more money going to individual artists rather than a handful of huge corporations. But I'm also uneasy about this artificial scarcity thing. To me, it kind of seems like this model is challenging us to think in a new direction, but maybe it's not quite the best solution yet. But it was announced this morning that Kings of Leon will be releasing an album as an NFT. They're being lauded as the first ever band to release an album as an NFT, but I think that really means first ever band that the media cares about, because there have absolutely been independent artists who have released albums as NFTs before. But anyways, quoting Rolling Stone... Kings of Leon's album will be released everywhere albums are released, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, but the NFT version, available on Yellowheart, will be the only product with special perks. The token, priced at $50, includes enhanced media, kind of like an alternate moving album cover, as well as a digital download of the music and limited edition vinyl. The sale of the album's NFTs opens on Friday at 12pm Eastern and continues for two weeks. After that time, no more will be made, and the NFT becomes a tradable collectible. End quote. There will also be 18 golden tickets released, with 12 of them being put into a vault and 6 of them being auctioned as the first-ever concert tickets sold as NFTs. These aren't just concert tickets, though. They're the true golden ticket experience. Golden ticket holders will get four guaranteed front-row seats to any show during each tour for life. Plus, quoting again, The token owner also gets a VIP experience that includes a personal driver, a concierge at the show to take care of their needs, a hangout with the band before the show, and exclusive lounge access. Upon leaving the show, the fan's car will have four bags filled with every item from the merch booth. End quote. So six people with cash to burn will get that when tickets go on sale now, and if you're some huge Kings of Leon fan or someone who likes to flex on these kinds of things, you'd be smart to snatch that up now because whenever the other 12 are released from the vaults, they are theoretically going to be way more expensive. There's also a sort of medium-level range that Kings of Leon is offering, and they're donating all the proceeds from the Golden Tickets and from the lowest $50 album NFT tier to the Crew Nation Global Relief Fund, which provides grants to touring professionals out of work due to the pandemic. Kings of Leon's NFT collection has been developed and is being released through Yellowheart, a company using blockchain technology to, quote, bring value back to music and better direct-to-fan relationships, end quote. CEO Josh Katz told Rolling Stone, Over the last 20 years, two lost decades, we've seen the devaluation of music. Music has become great at selling everything except music. There's been a race to the bottom where, for as little money as possible, you have access to all of it. Previously, it cost 20 bucks to get one song. Continuing from Rolling Stone, he believes streaming's subscription based pro rata model irreparably hurts artists, and NFTs will make modern fans want to own music again. It's early stages, but in the future, I think this will be how people release their tracks. When they sell $100,000 at a dollar each, then they just made $100,000. End quote. Katz emphasizes that a lot of artists have been returning to a DIY approach, and many are re-experimenting with analog methods. Kings of Leon, for example, says all the photography used in their NFT collection was taken by the band or their creative director with no outside sources, with everything shot on film, not digitally. And it's similar to Weezer's latest album, OK Human, which used all analog equipment, swapping electric guitars for a 38-piece orchestra. So there seems to be a desire among many to regain some type of creative autonomy, to experiment with new solutions. There's definitely something happening. Whether any of these trends or technologies will break through in a big enough way to stick remains to be seen. And to be sure, there are pitfalls with NFTs as well, one of them being the huge amount of energy that it takes to make anything on the blockchain, and therefore the massive carbon footprint left in its wake. If you want to read more on that, I put an article by artist and programmer Everest Pipkin in the show notes. Still, economist Raul Pal predicted on Twitter, quote, Things are moving so damned fast as all digital assets start to move onto blockchains. This trend will see big ups and downs, but the next 10 years will be a total revolution in trust-based ownership and transfer of digital assets and value, end quote. And senior writer at Rolling Stone, Brian Hyatt, kind of sums it all up pretty well on Twitter, saying, This sounds like a dumb gimmick until you think about it and realize musical artists may be on the precipice of reclaiming the economic value of their work. End quote. Maybe so.
1: At Fandil Casino, we know the only thing better than a win is a free win. That's why we made Reward Machine, the daily free to play game that gives you a chance to win up to $2,000 in casino bonus. We've given away over $50 million in free bonuses, and we're just getting started. Every day at 6 p.m., you get three chances to spin the Reward Machine reels. There are three ways to win one, match any three symbols for an instant win, two, collect symbols each day for a chance to win weekly prizes, or three, win up to $2,000. If you collect three trophies, FanDuel has given away over $50 million to hundreds of thousands of people through Reward Machine. So what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Casino app by going to fanduel.com slash PA3 and start playing Reward Machine today. That's fanduel.com slash PA3. No purchase necessary. 21 plus and present in PA. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable casino-only site credit that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG.
0: So, I genuinely loved the Netflix original movie Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams that came out last summer. It was one of those mostly stupid comedies that actually had a lot of heart to it. Plus, the goofy songs and sweeping views of Iceland certainly helped. And I say goofy songs, but at least one was genuinely moving, and that was the movie's main ballad, which shares a name with the town the story is based in, Húsavík. Husavik is a real town on the edge of the Arctic Circle in Iceland, home to 2,300 people and about 70,000 puffins, according to their website. And now, the Academy of Motion Pictures has announced that the song Hussevik has been shortlisted for original song at the upcoming Oscars, and the residents of Husevik are jumping at this opportunity. They've put together a campaign called Oscar for Husevik to encourage members of the Academy to consider the song Hussevik, and also to raise awareness about the town. They produced a pretty funny video about the campaign and say on their site, quote, "...fishing was for a long time our main export, until about 25 years ago. Now our main export is tourism, and more than a third of all jobs in Hussevik are in tourism. For this reason, the town has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. But the release of the Netflix film and the song Husavik has lifted the spirit of the people of Hussevik." When we learned that the song that has become a sort of anthem for our people had a chance of an Oscar nomination, we sprung into action. It's unlikely that a village of this size has ever started its own Oscar campaign, but in these extraordinary times, we see a unique opportunity to revitalize our town and its tourism through this film and the song Husevik. End quote. They also note that they are currently fundraising to complete their upcoming Eurovision Museum, a temporary museum with three exhibits focusing on the song contest overall, Iceland's role in it, and the Netflix film. I definitely recommend watching the video that the people of Husevik made, and if you haven't watched it already, go watch the movie. I mean, I will say it didn't get great reviews across the board, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but if you like Will Ferrell's less crude movies, Icelandic culture in general, Eurovision, or the absurdity of Pierce Brosnan playing Will Ferrell's disappointed dad, I think you'll be in for a treat. If, like so many people around the world, you spent some time job searching online this past year, you've likely filtered results for remote work options, since that's what so many more jobs are now. And on some sites, you may have noticed a strange thing happening. See, despite how many remote jobs there were even before the pandemic, a lot of job sites don't actually have a way of filtering for that. The job posts have to be tied to a location. And if a job posting puts its location as remote, the site will see that and mark the location as remote organ an unincorporated hamlet in Coos County, Oregon, with an estimated population of about 2,500, or roughly the same size as Husavik, but without the puffins. According to Wikipedia, remote basically consists of houses and one post office gas station store combo. So unless there's a lot happening remotely in those houses, it's unlikely that the thousands of companies listed as hiring for a job in remote Oregon are actually hiring there. The newsletter Bnet dug a little into this phenomenon, pointing out that one of the weirdest things about this is that people have been more or less aware of it for at least a year, but no one's done anything about it. Except add this line to the end of Remote Oregon's Wikipedia page, quote, The city has become a placeholder on job boards to represent if a position is a remote work position, end quote. I did like what Bnet had to say about Remote Oregon in the context of this one-year milestone we're approaching. Quote, I've seen or been a part of numerous informal discussions over the past few weeks about determining when exactly the pandemic started in the United States. It's tough to pin down exactly, which is what makes it kind of a fun, morbid game. Was it when the first case appeared on American soil? Was it the week we were told to start working from home? Was it when Tom Hanks got it? Was it when the NBA shut down? Can a pandemic really start if it's a hoax perpetrated by the global elite? I've decided that the pandemic officially began in the United States when that last line was added to Wikipedia from a Kansas City, Missouri IP address at 812 UTC on March the 12th, 2020. I know nothing about the person who added this line, but the fact that they felt the need to add it says a lot, or at least it says something. Everything shuts down, a quarter of the country suddenly finds itself out of work, most places trying to hire people are not going to get back to an office anytime soon, and there are suddenly exponentially more listings with their location set to remote, a previously rare and exotic option. I assume whoever made this Wikipedia edit got sick of seeing listings for Remote Organ. Or maybe they just thought it was funny or curious. Regardless, someone realized the job market had changed enough that it was memorialized on Wikipedia right as everything started going to shit. I think that's about as clear and precise a mile marker as we're going to get. End quote. So if you haven't seen it yet, a woman found an entire other apartment hiding behind her apartment's bathroom mirror. She documented the whole thing on TikTok so you can watch the horrifying experience. Meanwhile, I bet the woman on TikTok who found a small basement in her house that she didn't know was there is feeling completely upstaged. But that's all I got for you today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.